0: before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello! Hey, can we not stand there and argue in front of everybody because I am embarrassed? Alright, alright, so what do you want to do? I don't
1: know now. you want You
0: want to go to another movie? let's go see the
1: sorrow and the pity oh come on you've seen it i'm not in the mood to see a four hour documentary in nazis well i'm sorry i, I can't I'm, i i've got to see a picture exactly from the start to the finish because because i'm
0: anal <laughs> that's a polite word for what you are that ladies and gentlemen was a scene from annie hall pretty much in my top three of films ever it's the funniest film ever written nick's looking very unimpressed nick doesn't really have a sense of humor um uh, But wherever I go, Nick, I quote films and I quote my most favourite films. So you're about half an hour late for the George Michael documentary. We have to go there at 400 miles an hour. The girl in the ticket office says it just started. So because I'm in the cinema, I start quoting Woody Ann. I said, Well, I can't, I have to see a film from start. I can't go in and miss the credits. I'm very anal. And even though the woman works in the cinema, she just looks at me like, what are you talking about? But if you work in a cinema, wouldn't you have seen Annie Hall? No, to be fair... The, what do you mean, no? No,
1: the girl was about 17. She's not going to have I seen watched Annie Hall. I Annie Hall when I was 12. Exactly. It's an old film. She's not going to have seen it. Yeah, but
0: I've seen films in the 30s. That's You're just like those contestants on the chase. "Who is say, What is Paul's second name, Is in the Beatles? She said, oh, that's before I was born. It's culture. It's like saying I I haven't seen a Picasso painting because he died before I went to school. It's completely ridiculous. But wouldn't her life be more interesting if she actually loved film and worked in the cinema because it meant she got to see all of them for nothing? I haven't seen it either. I don't like Woody Allen.
1: Don't look at me like that. I don't like Woody Allen. I don't like Woody Allen. I don't like the Beatles. There, I said it. My name is Nicola Bebb, and I don't like. <laughs> but to the girl in the pictures, it, it was... worked in cinema. It right? worked in cinema. It was less culture and more Miranda Priestley. I don't think knowing your film makes you into a diva. No, no, the I can't go in. Just means it started... you're passionate about something. No, no. All she saw was I can't go in because it started two minutes ago. That was all she knew. She thought you were mad, absolutely barking. Her face as she walked out, her jaw actually dropped. She didn't. Know I'm it. quoting Annie Hall. That's one of the most famous,
0: funniest scenes the ever. In, the podcast, and a I'm always saying it to you, like Nicholas always saying, "Right, I'm on my way, I'm leaving." So I always say to her about four million times because she's always saying she's leaving. I say, "Where are you coming from? Scotland." That's from Annie Hall. And he said, she arrives and he says, where have you come from? The Panama Canal. See, I'm wasted. I'm wasted, wasted in this cultural wasteland of people working in cinemas. They've got no interest in film. You don't like the Beatles. You don't like you Ed don't Sheeran. You don't like Annie Hall. You don't like Ed Sheeran. That's not normal. No, I said I haven't really listened to his songs uh, long enough to go and see him in concert. Uh, no, it's, that's not normal. Ed Sheeran
1: is like magnificent.
0: But actually, I have to say, I didn't really enjoy the George Michael documentary, even though I missed the beginning. I didn't really enjoy it. Two minutes.
1: I thought we'd seen a lot of it before. I thought we'd seen a lot of the footage before. I wanted some home movies
0: and perhaps him as a child growing up. and All we had was a Russell Harty interview, some regurgitated videos, him live on stage. And it was all very much anodyne and there wasn't any real sort of grit and trick. You didn't really feel you got to know him any better.
1: I just, I felt that we'd seen so much of it before. There was so much about the court case. I did feel that it really showed his humility, his desperation to be loved, his humour. I loved all that about it. I felt we sort of saw who he was, how lonely he was, how much he wanted a partner. And I mean, it genuinely broke my heart. You didn't
0: hear from Andrew Ridgeley. No, I thought that I thought that was a bit strange. Where was Pepsi and Shirley?
1: No, I thought that was a bit strange because we're hearing from lawyers and we're hearing from his production and stuff. We're, we're hearing he- from the editor of French Vogue. Yeah. What has she got to do with it? Yeah. I think I think that the, the when he was talking and I had seen some of that before. I think they released something, didn't they, when he died? that had a lot of that stuff in, which I thought was a shame because I expected this to be all completely new stuff, really, especially as he'd had a hand in it. I expected it to be a bit more personal. But I just... It did make me break my heart because I just thought, what a lovely, lovely man, you know, and, and what a lovely, lovely,
0: lovely house he lived lovely in. Lovely house. You wouldn't want to die and leave that, would you?
1: No, and the dog, his
0: lovely dog. He loved his dogs. We're going to talk about his dogs a bit more from when I interviewed him. But I drove past his house in Highgate the other day and there's still a shrine to him outside. And all the local posh people are trying to get rid of it. But they won't get rid of it
1: because it will just keep coming back. I think he said something at the end of of the film, which which I've said many, many times, and I'm sure I've said it on here, is he said, this is the end of an era. There's not going to be more like me, like Madonna, like Prince, like Michael Jackson... With that sort of glamour, that this is that everything else now is too fragmented. Did you fragmented? know he
0: duetted with Whitney?
1: Yeah, but it's that's interesting, isn't it? Because apart
0: yeah. from Madonna, they're all dead. Yeah, which tells you something about fame and success, doesn't it? Does,
1: and they're all, they're the all dead. And he's he's so right. We are never going to see that level of creative talent and showmanship ever again. Well, why do you not think Ed Sheeran is that then? I love Ed Sheeran, and I think he's incredibly talented. But he's kind of like a guy you would expect gigging down the park, but he's got that sort of aura about them. These George Michael, Whitney, they all had this superstar aura about them, didn't they? They were stars. There's no two ways about it. They were absolute stars. And I, I loved his humility when he said in, the, in, in an interview that he, he went on top of the pops and afterwards he was walking down the street and he was expecting everyone to recognise him and they didn't for about three days and he was really gutted. I I loved that about him because he just stayed a human being, didn't he? Well,
0: one minute you're saying he's a star that you're never going to see him again, and the next minute you're saying he's sort of ordinary and humble.
1: I think you can be both. I mean, what he talked about, wasn't he, was about he created this persona so that he could be on the same level. He wanted to be on the same level as these greats like Madonna and stuff. So you create a persona around your professional thing, but in reality... What he said was, he's a homebody that wants to be at home with his dogs. So I think the difference is that Prince was actually like that. Michael Jackson was
0: like that. They weren't a different person when they went home. Prince was a star walking around his office. Yeah, you know. Yeah,
1: and I think George Michael was, from from what we saw here, was very much someone that created that that sort of character, to be there, to be up there with the, these great people. And he had the talent to do it. But really, he just wanted to sit with his dogs, didn't he? And take them for walks and be with his friends.
0: And I never felt he felt he was good-looking enough either. You know, right. the photographs and videos are very artfully done, aren't they? With lots no, they of make-up. And...
1: and he said, didn't he, that in his family, it was a sin to praise someone for their looks. It was actually sinful. So he never felt that he was good enough because nobody had ever said to him you look good or or anything like that and yet professionally he had such confidence that he reminds me of you a little bit really because you lack confidence in some things but in 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 other things you're very confident and
0: i'm not confident in anything no you
1: are you are professional you are confident about your talent and about what you do and he was the same. And, you know, when he said that, he was absolutely... When he broke up... I'm not there,
0: actually. Every time I get a story in, you know, I'm literally sitting there at my computer, shaking with nerves until I hear it's OK.
1: But, no, but you are confident in that you're good, aren't you? you like you say, my brilliant idea. I wrote that piece. I would no, but write it still that didn't get published. I piece better than she would write that piece. You're confident in that way. And, and the thing is, is when George Michael was saying, he was absolutely sure when, wham... Um, broke up he was sure that he was successful enough to become he was going to go on to be an international recording artist and songwriter he had that determination i think that's what you need as a creative isn't it or what you need to succeed but i'm very determined and i don't get anywhere yeah what i what i
0: loved and i missed some of it because obviously you came via the panama canal was they showed the freedom video in full and looking back at those supermodels oh my god they were so beautiful
1: and they still are, aren't they? Because they was in the documentary. Models still aren't like that
0: anymore. I mean, if you st- Naomi Campbell, in particular, in that video is so beautiful, isn't she? Absolutely beautiful. And Cindy, Tatiana, absolutely. Christy, beautiful. even though she was so horrible to me and wrote me that horrible letter, you editor, <laughs> Christy turning bad you. I've forgiven her. Christy in the bath. So you can see how much George... And there was a couple of male models in it as well. You can see how much George idolises beauty over
1: himself. He doesn't appear in that video. And that sort of tells you something, doesn't it? No. Well, he he, he was going through, wasn't he, that he wasn't prepared to prostitute himself anymore for his music. He wanted to create. So he did it by not being... He refused to be on the cover, didn't he? he? Refused to be in the videos... It, uh, but it was ingenious the way he did it. It could have gone so badly. And yet he produced this amazing piece of work. But I've also been watching a documentary on Sky, Scouting for Girls.
0: And this is about the abuse in the model industry. And the main person talking on the documentary is Karyotis. Otis. Do you remember Cary Otis? Were you, you too young? I'm a fetus. So Cary Otis was... So so, and she still is beautiful. Oh my God. And she was married to Mickey Rourke. And she was in movies as well. Like but Mickey she's Rourke. talking about the terrible, terrible abuse in the model-, model industry. And there's this one competition going on. And the girls are parading in New York in front of Donald Trump and John Casablancas, who owned Elite. And they're 14 years old. The girl who won the competition was 14 it's years old. just a baby, old. isn't it? And they're it? just children.
1: Yeah, that's just a baby. That's awful. But it, One of the
0: photographers in the film, I remember in Milan being in a hotel lobby with that famous photographer and he went up to his hotel room because he would only see the models in his hotel room. He wouldn't meet, meet them in the lobby was I wanted to sort to of meet in the lobby.
1: So that was, sounds all a bit dodgy to me. So he
0: said, I'm going up to, the, I'm going up to my room. And I said, well, OK, but um, okay. well, I'll send the models up then, but uh, the, the agent is going to have to come with them. And as the, the girls arrived, and I'm standing in the corridor outside, and as the girls arrived, this famous photographer, he said, has she got a, has she got a boyfriend? Has she? And no. if the model had a boyfriend, he wouldn't see her. That's shocking, absolutely shocking. And you think these girls are privileged, but they're, you know, generally apart from the odd Kate Moss, their careers are very, very short. And all they're really going to do is marry someone rich. That's the only way they're going to survive.
1: It's so awful, though, that they're seen, you know, I mean, they're professionals. It's a skill. They have probably have to work hard at keeping their looks and keep, you know, and learning the skill of being photographed. It's not easy, is it? So to be seen just as a sexual commodity it's just shocking. I hope we've changed now from that.
0: There was one particular designer, I'm sure I've written about it in the mail. I was backstage and he actually pushed the models as they went onto the catwalk. One of them, Angela Limval, he said her hips were too wide to even fit on the catwalk. Angela oh Linval, one of the most beautiful women in the world.
1: And And we wonder how we got to a point where we were creating... An imagery where people were getting ill and getting anorexia and getting sick and well, it's awful. funny. Um, on the cover of
0: Inspire in the Daily Mail on Monday, Alex Shulman wrote a piece about her bikini Instagram picture five years on, and she said she didn't understand the backlash when it when it first came out. And I wrote one of the pieces that said. You know, she was letting it all hand out. She's obviously an overweight older woman in a bikini on holiday, just relaxing because she's got a lot of confidence because she grew up with famous parents and, you know, had a very good job. And again, she said in that piece, I didn't feel I was going against what I was promoting in Vogue by being overweight and older. And I'm duping everyone," she says, "because I don't believe that magazines cause image problems in girls. But again, I disagree with that. You see, I think it's a. a dr- Where do we get our ideas of beauty from? Mm. We get it from magazines, Instagram, um, and all these Instagram pictures. They've learnt all the poses and everything from magazines. I disagree, actually. I think images are so powerful. It's like when I did a debate at the National Portrait Gallery and it was about airbrushing. And I said, really, you know, cover shouldn't be airbrushing. It should be very transparent what they're doing. These women aren't real. What you're showing them is a cartoon. Although an ordinary girl thinks that's... Oh, her eyes are really like that. Her skin is really yeah, like yeah. that. They don't realise. no. And so Lorraine Candy, who was then editor of Elle, said, no, they do know it's a fantasy. Of course they know it's airbrushed. But I work in the industry. I couldn't tell.
1: No.
0: No, we don't know. No. You buy into it, don't you? Images are so important. If they weren't so important, why do brands advertise? Why do they have these beautiful pictures? Why don't they just have a picture of a handbag?
1: And also you They don't just have a picture things, of a handbag.
0: No. They have a picture of a beautiful woman carrying the handbag so that you think, if I buy that handbag, I'm going to be like
1: her. Yeah." And we get desensitised, don't we? We might start off seeing an image and think, oh, my God, that girl's too thin, or, oh, dear. And you see more and more of it, and it becomes normal. The yeah. more you see of a particular image... No, you, sit, you sit front row
0: at Catwalk Shaw, and you say, all these very young, very tall. They are all different colours from all different nationalities. They're still very tall and thin as trees. And you think, oh, that's normal. Only when the fashion designer comes on at the end for a hug and a bow do you think, oh my God, the the fashion designer's one foot tall and a stump. Then you see, it's only when you see models against real people you realise how extraordinary Mm. they are and they're probably born like that. But having watched this documentary, yeah, they are preyed upon and very few of them make it and a lot of them are children and even someone like karyotis could be preyed upon i mean
1: and the thing is you say like you know a lot of them are born like that and that's a there will be the ones that aren't that are then put under pressure to conform that if they want to be a model if they want to be in the industry they've got to be like all these other perfect specimens which then creates problems for that individual yeah, but I think it's
0: mainly the ordinary girls who live in Southend yeah. or Newcastle or whatever looking at those images yeah. and thinking, that is what That's I should normal. look like. Yeah. And for Lorraine Caddy, say, no, women know it's a fantasy. They don't. They don't know what no. we do. I remember I was at Marie Claire and I went to the printers and next to me the guy was doing a cover of Vogue and he was moving a different nose
1: yeah. onto
0: the cover of Vogue. No, I didn't know they did
1: that. No, no. And why couldn't they have bloody done that when we had the use shoot to me? I'm never going to let that go. I'm never going to let that go. I want it to be photoshopped.
0: This week's columnist headline is In Which David Drops a Bombshell. Da da da. I didn't call the hotel about the rock star's lost jacket. I'm sick of men giving me things to do. At parties, they always ask if I can put their things in my handbag. No. I'm sick of them saying, can you remind me to? And didn't you buy any white pepper?
1: <laughs> You're never letting the white pepper go, are you?
0: <laughs> it's so petty though, isn't it, to say that. He said he was put out by our whole experience together. What? Well, you were very non-committal in bed. You didn't even reply about my road trip idea around Scotland. Oh, the fact is, Gracie, as is her want, was on the pillow next to me. He had to sleep with his head at the bottom of the bed with one foot either side of a not inconsiderable bulk. The next day he said I feel like I've just done yoga.
1: Poor Acy Gracie, sleeping next to David's big big No, it's not
0: David, is it?
1: Oh it's someone else. I can't keep up with all your means. Oh you've got so many on the go, I've got no idea. The thing
0: is, I take my hearing aids out at night. And as his head was so far away, I couldn't hear a word he said. He should have WhatsApped me. I think we've got to the point, haven't we? We just text each other now. No one speaks anymore.
1: No, it's a bit... People don't have relationships
0: by normal means anymore. Anyway, what I didn't tell you was, just before I left for the Hawadian Hills, I emailed David.
1: I'm I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just not. Not my business. It was after a very
0: long and protracted argument over text. Apparently, it's, it's called vexing when you argue with someone over text. Did you know that? No, I didn't. You're vexed. So you vexed, you vexed thing.
1: Oh dear God.
0: Anyway, our argument thread ended with him telling me I am a very sexy but shouty lady. To which I replied with just one word useless. Isn't that useless, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway, before I packed a thong in the Louis Vuitton, I sent David this. So, last chance before I go out with someone else. Do you want to get back together or not? Of course, him being him, he didn't answer for 456 years, by which time I am already brewing cystitis. Oh dear God. And when he did eventually answer, he sent what is probably the saddest email I've ever received, apart from when Lizzie died. I've just had another sad email this morning, but I'll tell you about that later. Anyway, his sad email said, my darling Liz... About getting back together. My head and my heart are screaming yes, but my body is saying no. You deserve more. I spent the past two years going through a deep physical decline... I fear I'm too far down that rabbit hole. Don't feel bad. I'm okay with my fate. All my love, D. I typed, I don't understand why you don't look after your health at his flat. That's the main reason we didn't work out. Well, part of my column. He answered, I guess if I could answer why I haven't looked after myself, I wouldn't be where I am now. It's some sort of self distract mentality. I've come to terms with my fate. Thank you for the opportunity, though. Was it a job interview? And so I said at the end of the column, what is the title of that new film? I've just watched it, actually. The Worst Person in the World. That's it. That's, that's the one. That's officially me.
1: Oh, dear. Why do you feel... I don't know. I, th- I, I just wish you two would just draw a line under it, honestly, because you're no good for each other. You don't make each other happy. It's just time to sort of draw a line under it. It is quite sad.
0: It is quite sad. And I did get his permission to print this column. But he was so handsome when he was 31. And to think he's gone into such a terrible, 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 terrible decline. And he's just happy to die alone. I think that's really sad. And if he'd just
1: made a little bit of effort, we could have worked out.
0: But not you, gone on about
1: White Pepper. Could you have worked out? Because at the end of the day, you two are very different. But I am quite easy to please. Someone just needs to be a bit helpful.
0: Turn up to the cinema on time. But ultimately, not hang their washing
1: all around the kitchen by, by a tumble dryer. Do you know what I mean? But ultimately, you can't change him. He can't change you. You're just not going to make each other happy you need to find someone both of you well i'm trying that will well he's never going to find someone Make make yourselves happy it's like you're always fighting against the differences and they're obviously never going to change so i think it's kind of a good thing draw a line under it you know find someone that really resonates with who you are that you can make happy and they can make you happy and david does the same
0: well i'll tell you what happens after that because I don't think I've written a column about it, I don't know, I would get confused. I then sent him a proof of the column, and then, because I was sending him proof of the column, and I knew it was quite a difficult one, because he probably doesn't want the whole world to know he's going into a decline, I then said, do you want to come for the weekend for your birthday? And he then said, yes, I'll come at 7pm on Friday and I'll bring bread. Right.
1: He's gluten-free bread.
0: But then he cancelled and said, I've been thinking about this. There's a train strike, I'm not coming. And I'd booked my hair, I'd made a list for waitresses, but he cancelled. You can read this week's diary in full Man on Sunday's You magazine. Anyway, would you like to hear my interview with George Michael? Yes.
1: 2012.
0: We would. When he was still alive.
1: 2012. My God, that seems so long ago.
0: So the interview begins. George Michael is showing me his tummy. Oh, I'm very in love with George Michael. He stands, lifts his shirt, and there it is, brown and very toned. He gives it a slap. You see, he says, that is not a barrel. We've been talking about how the tabloids always try to take his picture when he's out on the street buying a pint of milk. I ask if he still runs on a treadmill for two hours a day. No, I don't, he says. Thank God. If my phobia of cameras was exacerbated by a fear of ageing, I would probably live in bloody barley by now. See, so it's all very much about the image, isn't it?
1: Yeah. But you are, aren't you? You're like a sex god pop star. You're always going to be judged on what you look like. It's so unfair. Because his childhood was so oppressive,
0: he doesn't much value youth. I'm happy, he says, because I'm moving further away from my childhood. My wrinkles don't scare me. I've never been attracted to people younger than I am. My partner, Kenny, is older than me. I need someone with at least as much experience in life as I have. You see, Kenny would have seen Annie Hall. Yeah, probably. Might not have liked it, though. We're sitting in his office in Highgate. He takes off his sunglasses to reveal twinkly dark brown eyes. Do you see on one of the posters, his eyes were changed to emerald green? Mm. That's how much they dock to photos. Mm. Mm. His hair is short. Gone is the goatee. Today's newspaper is on the coffee table. He brushes them aside. The headlines were on the lines of George and Kenny to follow Elton up the aisle. He'd been cornered by a reporter at a screening of his new film, A Different Corner, a documentary. And had said he and Kenny would enter into a legal contract. You know, they broke up after this. Yeah. I have a different opinion to Elton. he says. All I want is the legal protection Kenny and I both deserve. Marriage is such a difficult institution at the best of times. Necessary if you want a family, but if we were to get married, we'd be aping an institution that's not built for us. But will the contract mean they will no longer have an open relationship? We'll still have an open relationship, it works great, and we're coming up to ten years together. It hasn't always been easy. We both went into it with a heterosexual point of view because we both came from relatively conservative backgrounds. I wonder how, if you love someone, you can bear to think of them with another person, he shrugs. If you can get over the idea of jealousy, it's great. Jealousy is such a destructive emotion. He admits he could not have had an open relationship with Anselmo Filippa, his first real love whom he met in 1999 and nursed until he died of AIDS four years later. Not at that age, I couldn't know. I was too influenced by my upbringing, too unaware of gay life, horribly jealous. But if you can get over it, you can look at the person you share your life with and believe so much more entirely that you'll be with them for the rest of your life. Ken is a very good-looking guy, we get to meet plenty of very nice-looking guys. When you realise that hasn't turned your partner's head, that still come home to you, you realise sex with someone else is not a threat. He thinks women are not built to accept infidelity, but the men struggle with monogamy. Gay men don't have a higher sex drive than straight men. The latter are merely restrained by women. That's very true. See, Julie Birchall said that once. Yeah. She said the only reason homosexual men have more sexes because they haven't got women holding them back No, no i can see that he says i can see it very clearly because i started out thinking i was straight so men want to have affairs and the only thing stopping them is the thought they might lose their kids george michael replies men are programmed to shag to me the idea of not having to take part in that lie means i can be more honest The things I would never have dreamed of saying to my girlfriends, it actually helps to say in a gay relationship. We have a level of trust and understanding that men and women don't have, which is desperately sad. Still, it must have been a shock for Kenny, a 47-year-old former fitness instructor, when in 1998, George Michael phoned to tell him he'd been arrested for cottaging. (laughs) So George Michael shakes his head and says, I don't think cruising is dysfunctional. I don't cruise anymore, believe me. It's one thing to be self-destructive and then try to be cool about it. For it to happen again, you just look stupid. I'd been to see his documentary the night before. For a man who's always been private, rarely giving interviews, it's frank and not always flattering. His friends describe him as brave, stupid, naive, cautious, infuriating. I'm all those things, he says. I didn't want the film to be a whitewash. I knew Boy George would slag me off. The first thing he ever said to me was, you're so straight, you must be gay. I tell George he seems very at ease with himself. That's true, I am comfortable now. Now I'm in my 40s, I can look at myself in the mirror. He spent a large chunk of his life being frightened and not good enough. I say it seems that from when he signed a record contract aged 18, through the releases of Faith and Listen Without Prejudice, Older and Patience, he hasn't enjoyed much of it. I realised early on that being on the road to pop stardom was not going to bring me happiness, but I couldn't get off that road. He hated touring, promoting, appearing in his videos. I had a phobia about cameras, he says simply. That's why people don't realise I'm always in London because they so rarely see me. People think I'm a lot more snotty than I am. They can't appreciate what it is to have a phobia. Does he think he's ugly? I hated looking at pictures of myself because they reminded me of myself as a child. One of the things I see in my face is vulnerability because I was a very vulnerable child and I see less of that as I get older. I'm sure at some point I will freak out and do bits and pieces but I don't think it's time yet. He reminds me his father, Jack, once told him he couldn't sing. Do they get on now? We get on very well. He's been great with me for a long time. He thought I would end up broke. He didn't understand music. He does though blame his father for the hard life his mother had. She had two jobs and would work in her husband's restaurant every night. When George became successful, he took the pressure off her financially and she just blossomed. He says, I didn't have a bad word with him in the last 17 years of her life. Aww. She died of skin cancer in 1997. I tell him a friend of his told me he'd popped round to see George one evening and that he was in his dressing gown with a stubbly beard, watching Sky TV and eating junk food. He is at last learning to get, let go a little. I would once have been furious if a friend had brought a stranger to my house and I looked like that, he says, whereas now I don't give a toss. I ask if part of his unhappiness throughout his career was due to the fact he was living a lie. But he thinks the fear of coming out saved his life. When I was 19, I told Andrew Ridgely and Shirley, the backing singer, they were my closest friends and they dismissed it, but I'm not blaming them. I was spared all kinds of things by my only da- denial, not just the press. People tend to go a bit crazy sexually when they come out. And had I come out then, when people weren't aware of AIDS, I would have been exposed, not just to my own risk, but to all the death and destruction. I was sheltered and I felt guilty about that. The heavens evened things up because when I did finally fall in love, it was with someone who was HIV positive.
1: That literally, that part of the documentary completely broke my heart. He found someone that he really loved. It was just heartbreaking.
0: After Anselmo died, George couldn't write for a long time. When he did, he returned with older... That was the most inspired album of my career, he says, because of the feelings around bereavement. I know that record helped so many people and you can't get more important than that. I ask if he regrets not having children. I'm still capable, he says, putting on a fake Mm -hmm. camp voice. When you come out, they don't give you an automatic vasectomy. But no, I don't regret it at all. I have such a ludicrously free life, so much freedom. If I were to be a parent, I would do the job properly and be responsible. I would never tell my child they couldn't sing. But I would be miserable, I think. My songs are my children. And what about your Labradors, I say? The funny thing is, he says, I'm totally aware of what love is. You need somewhere to project those emotions if you don't have children. They're such great value for money. The older dog's tail actually starts to wag when my soup gets down to a certain level because she knows I'll (laughs) always give her the bowl. He seems content. I also thought I was cursed, he says. I meet somebody, fall in love, find out he's terminally ill, lose the court case, lose my mother, get arrested. But I think my luck has evened out. Isn't it sad knowing he's dead a few years oh, later? Just a heartbreaking, absolutely awful. It's taken a good four years of nothing disastrous happening to not be afraid of the future. He says, kissing me on both cheeks. Oh dear God! Which I tell him is a huge thrill for someone who was there in 1982 when Wham made their first live appearance at the Lyceum on the Strand. I remember that night, he says, I wasn't singing, I was just shouting. There was so much adrenaline, no finesse. I would never have believed that night, while writing Club Tropicana, in a basement flat in Peckham, that it would be on the radio for 20 years. I tell him I was quite glad when I found out he was gay, because it meant no other woman could have him. I think that's how my mum felt, he says.
1: So It's but all it- upset me again now that he's died. But didn't that, don't you think that interview was really, really, really revealing? Yeah, and so honest. Like, so honest. He's, he's, the one thing I like about it, he seems to be so candid. When you actually talk to him in the documentary, in your interview, he's just completely lazy on the line. But I spoke to, to him mind. about his tummy, his Labrador. You touched him. You
0: touched him. I touched him. And the, he did seem in a good place awful and
1: when he and when when he died the shock that christmas no i couldn't believe it i think we had we've just lost all these amazing i mean his talent it's just phenomenal i mean i saw him at the albert hall didn't i and his last i think that was his last concert wasn't it where he had the Dieter video and stuff it, he was just unbelievable he was just incredible but wasn't he doing sort of jazz music yeah yeah, it was just it was just incredible, absolutely incredible. And it was just him, a microphone, and this fantastic video of Dieter Von Tees on the back, and it was just phenomenal. And nobody, nobody now can stand up to that. You didn't get to kiss him then, did you? I would have if I could.
0: Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So, I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Do
1: you want to know what the readers have said this week? Yes, I only want positive letters. We only do positive Um You've had so much support, loads of loads of emails about your article, about losing your hair. So many women going through the same thing and, and you know, sympathising. I was tempted to go to the newsagent to buy every copy of the newspaper, and
0: new magazine, so no-one saw the photograph of me. But then I forgot about the internet.
1: But also, it's made people feel better because they, they can relate. They've been through it, and, and you've been through it, and they can relate to it. We've got Jane, who says... Hello, I read Liz's article in the Daily Mail after being diagnosed with alopecia last year. I could empathise. However, there was one product that changed my mindset during recovery which wasn't mentioned and I wanted to make sure she was aware of hair fibres. As while my hair was growing back, this covered up the bald patches and was amazing in making me feel normal. There were several ranges, but Nanogen sites, those amazing before and after photos and videos. So we had a lot of this, a lot of people writing about different products and different things that had really helped them. And obviously you couldn't mention them all or know about them all when you you did the article. We also had Claire Turner, who recommends sizzling sizzling minerals from Simply Naturals. And she lost her hair with perimenopause, and it causes a type of malnourishment. So there's lots of different reasons, lots of different products out there. See, I think
0: my hair fell out because I was malnourished, because I was so ill.
1: Yeah, well, you couldn't keep anything down, could you? You could barely keep water down. And there was stress, there was illness. There's, there's just cut so much come up with all, all all the ladies that have written in of so many different reasons and so many different products out there. But I think essentially the message is is a lot. most of them have, have recovered and got their hair back. But as I said in the
0: piece, even if your hair doesn't grow back because of the type of hair loss and mine is growing back, I've got all this short hair. Have, hair yeah, and I, yeah, And you are thinning because of becoming older and hormones and perhaps genetically. There are still things you can yeah. do, so don't think that's the end of it. You can do other things other than wear a hat or not go out.
1: Yeah, and that's a lot of people's experience that have written in. We also have Christine uh, who says, Hi Liz, I'm a massive fan of your column and like you, I'm in my early 60s.
0: Don't say that.
1: I, <laughs> not my fault, I'm just reading it. I love that you actually seem to have got it together and enjoying dating and sex with the rock star. Don't be exclusive, though. It's time to have lots of fun. You deserve it. No. And as you've probably realised, like I have, you shouldn't give a fuck about anything. Be that loudly opinionated mature lady. P.S. Don't use bath oil if you're susceptible to cystitis. <laughs> I do use bath oil. I love the way you're getting cystitis <laughs> help. I love that. I do use bath oil. I don't. I kind of. I don't think it is to
0: do with bath oil.
1: I don't think it helps. I think it'll aggravate it. But don't you just love this podcast? On one hand, you're getting advice about hair loss and and treatment. And then you get cystitis. But then I'm also kissing George Michael. You are kissing George Michael.
0: Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe. To get access to all our podcast videos opinion pieces and more i'll be back next sunday but for now i'm liz jones and i'm nick goodbye goodbye